Want to do a quick commercial here for our friends at Daxco. That is D-A-X-K-O. Owners of Club Automation, CSI Spectrum, MotionSoft, BFP Next. These software platforms go beyond the current club software and provide best-in-breed solutions to the Halo sector. They wake up every day. They're thinking about your fitness community. They're trying to enhance your member experiences, the facility, easy-to-use software for the staff. If you're looking to change your software, if you're looking to get ahead, if you're looking to get to the next level in the Halo sector and win, do me a favor. Go to info.clubautomation.com forward slash the experience. That is forward slash the experience. Pete Moore, Petey Mo, checking out. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. So I heard it from a friend who, heard it from a friend who, that Matt Spielman has written his first book, Inflection Points, a good friend of mine for a short 25 years. And we uh, have worked together, played together, run together, and excited to talk about his book together. So Matthew, welcome back to the square. Uh, it is good to be back to the square and please don't call me Matthew. Oh, is that, is that what your mother called you the one you yeah, were mad exactly. when, I've done something, when I've done something wrong. I just want to make it sophisticated because it, no, no. it does say Matt Spielman on the book, so I'll, I'll rescind the H-E-W for now, but I wanted to formalize this since, you know, we we're turning 50 now and, you know, maybe we'll, know. we'll, we'll lengthen our name at some point. No, um, I know. I know. So, so, so quick background here, you know, why don't you talk about, you know, your preamble, you know, which is in the book, um, you know, which talks about, where you started, you know, kind of doing well, but, you know, probably soulfully unfulfilled yeah. um, and knew that you had a calling and, and you know, you, you affected a plan to, to get to where you should be, which is where you are now. Yeah. So the, the quick headline is I transitioned from executive to executive coach. And this was about six plus years ago. Prior to that, as in the executive component, I I did enjoy the work that I was doing. And just principally for the audience, it was my function was sales, marketing, business development. And this was both in some smaller organizations that I helped capitalize, grow, build, and was part of a few acquisitions or, or selling of those companies, and also in larger organizations as well. And it was sort of through, as I, I, I ascended in my career, I took on more managerial responsibility and more of a direct impact on people. And that's, Pete, the part that I absolutely love. So yes, my job was to sell a product or a service or to market a product or a service or to, to develop a business uh, for that particular company, for sure, raise capital. The part that really drew me in was seeing the people on the team or when I was larging, even, uh, running even larger organizations, so the whole as a general manager, just seeing people grow, develop, thrive, giving them stretch opportunities, you know, the the promotion discussions and like just giving feedback in a constructive way. That was the that was the stuff that really drew me in. And it was I was at this kind of positive inflection point, Pete, you know, around 2010, 2011. I was at MTV Networks working at a 1515 Broadway in New York. Wonderful people, dynamic what was going on. It was sort of pre-iPhone, post-iPad era of 2005 to 2011. Like a lot of stuff was going on. But I was, I, I felt like every day that I walked into 1515 Broadway, I should have been walking somewhere else. And I wasn't quite sure what it was. So I began 
talking to, I sought out a career coach, an executive coach, just a, a coach partner. And Peter Hazelrig is his name. I talk about him in the book. And he and I have been coach client, you know, coach partnership for the last 12 years. And I'll end the, the mini story here by saying Pete Peter said something really simple, but to me it hit like really hard, like in a, in a positive way. He said, Matt, just just because just you could do something well doesn't mean that you have to do it. Doesn't mean you should do it. And I'm like, whoa, like that sounds really simple, but that kind of like blew my mind. And then thus began the exploration of how could I get closer to do more of that direct impact that I was talking about earlier. So for the, the listeners here who are yearning to, to do something else or maybe want to elevate what they do inside their companies and maybe become more of a coach and less of, less of a manager or, or you know, in, in professional sports, like we talk about in, in our book, you know, like there's a, there's a lineman coach, right? There's a quarterback's coach, there's a running back's coach. In companies, there's no sales coach, there's a sales manager, right? There's no one you go to. Right. Um, so if you think about a professional team and you think about a professional organization, like there should be way more coaches, whether they're inside or outside the company. My point that I wanted to make is for the people that are thinking about following a path that you went down, you know, you were in your, you know, 40, you were 40, right? And you're like, now I'm going to go make a career change. Now I'm going to go back to school. Now I'm going to go get a personal training license. Like what kind of gave you the humility to say, I'm going to go take two or three steps backwards. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get back to where I was. Or I'm going to feel better about it yeah. and be comfortable with that. Yeah. So Pete, I was 44 and it's one of those, whenever I, I, I do talk, I do a ton of career coaching. And when people say, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not sure I could do that right now. I'm like, I know you're talking to somebody who did, you know, so right, right. where do you start? And we talk about it a lot in the book. Um, we, we start with finding energy, right? So some, some sources and drains of energy. Many people have a hard time maybe explicitly articulating, here's what I want to do and here's what I need to do. Everybody can identify energy. So what are the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis? And, you know, take out a sheet of paper and for two weeks saying, you know, okay, I'm doing this right now. I'm talking to Pete Moore and DG and man, I'm, I'm lit up. I'm excited that this is a source of energy. True story, right? Record. It's absolutely true. This recording podcast. Okay. So then I'm going to, I'm going to work on this financial model. You know what? Like I have to, I need two cups of coffee to make it through that one. That's kind of, that's a drain of energy. So we do, we keep this sort of running tally of sort of sources and drains because we know inside, we know inside whether we're drawn to something or not. That's kind of where I first started. And to this, this point we were talking about just before I was drawn to my energy was around giving people opportunities to go see the CEO. If I had an opportunity to go see the CEO the CEO, et cetera. So mm-hmm. identify energy. And in the book, we talk about a lot more sort of like, here's the actual exercise and here's the, the people can download the tools at the end and kind of do it. Okay. So then I, I think it's, you know, you were outlining Pete that maybe somebody wants to elevate or somebody wants to be this or somebody wants, I would actually say maybe, but I think they need to ask themselves that question, not what they should do, but at this point where they are in their career and in their lives more broadly, what could I do that is most accurately reflective of that which gives me energy and hopefully less of that which takes energy away? So just because it's like, hey, that next promotion is like, hey, that's something I should aim for. Maybe not. Like that, right. maybe not. There are no shoulds in our coaching 
in our coaching approach. Well, one of one of the uh, you know, as I read through your book, um, I was on a plane. I didn't have a pen. I'm like, you know, this this feels like a book I want to underline. You know, and that that's a compliment. Um, and one of the things I, I underlined when I started reading the book is you can't goal set your way out of an emotional rut. Mm. And that kind of hit me because sometimes I feel like, all right, I've got this plan. Like this is going to happen by May 31st. This is going to happen by June 30th. And when I get to that point, then I'm going to feel better because like these things have, have gone. And then you realize, fuck dude, it's like 10 years later. And like, I don't feel exactly how I thought I want to feel. And when a deal closes now, I'm like relieved. I'm not like setting up a closing dinner because it's, it's, it's emotionally exhausting. So, so how do you kind of, obviously people read the book and they'll understand, you know, the, the, the game plan system, but how do you kind of tell someone, Hey, maybe you're goal setting your way into like, like quicksand, like yeah. maybe you're never really goals. You goal setting your way towards something that you don't even know why you goal, what the goal is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to a little bit of a side note. I've, I've heard from dozens of people in the last couple of weeks that, they almost treat it like a workbook. Yeah, you can write in it. I'll, I'll buy you another copy, Pete. I promise. If you want, I'll buy to my it, own. I'll put up a five star review. I'll buy my own. I'm here. For, I'm here to help. I'll coach and, you on it. If book and only sales. If, if and only if it warrants. I, I, if I we traded a multiple revenue, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Go ahead. Exactly. But I, I think there's a little bit of um, people have a little bit backwards, right? You, you can't if if you're in a tough place. So setting the quote that you shared, you know, setting a goal may not necessarily get us out of that. I think because we need to take a couple of steps back. I talk a little bit about in the book, and you and I have we've we've spoken about this before. The sort of slowing down to go faster. It sounds counterintuitive, and you see it on the racetrack around multiple turns. Sometimes they have to position the car, slow it down set it up for that one turn so they can go faster two or three turns in the future. And I think we can apply that lens to, to our life. And that's why I, you know, I call it the GPS or the game plan system with the game plan as the epicenter, the single laminated, you know, I love the laminator, by the way, you got me into the laminator and I've bought laminators for a lot of people. And and that's the, the, the game plan is the center of that. However, the system part, Pete, which is one I want to focus on, is what precedes the game plan. We need to gather information. We need to slow down in order for us to go faster. Going faster meaning let's get that laminated document in your hand, but not as quickly as possible. We need to learn a little bit about ourselves and the world around us. So I'm big on, you know, Pete, you and I, I did the 360. I gathered information. You know, I spoke to you. I spoke to key stakeholders. Uh, we also administered some assessments, right? And there, I talk about a couple free that are online that people can take called VIA is one that's amazing. For example, it's values in action. So viacharacter.org, and it ranks your strengths from one to 24. And so we want to tap into even more of who you are. We want to engender as much understanding of you as possible um, and, and maybe others around you. Then, then, we have the questions about, okay, what are some outcomes that if you were to achieve them would have great meaning and consequence for you? And so we might, you know, jot out in a thoughtful way, sort of what the, what the, what is that the, the goal, I guess, or the outcome that we want to bring about. And then we spend a bunch of time, Pete, not only we, we spend probably two to three to four X as much time 
on the why or the meaning or the consequence behind that goal. Because um, if, if you were to say to me, well, you know, Matt, um, I really want to run the New York City Marathon. And I say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not commenting whether that's a good or bad goal because only you know. And then we get into the consequence of it. And you're like, well, you know, my, my parents think it's something that I should do. And we get into this some more. And, but we realize this sort of, you know, kicking the tires a little bit, the should is not going to get you out of bed on February 6th at eight degrees in, in the pitch black when it's kind of rainy outside. You're going to roll over, hit the snooze button, and it's never going to see the light of day. So we really want to get at understand why that particular outcome is meaningful for you. And that's predicated on, we go back to the sources and drains of energy, um, which, you know, what are the things that excite you, that energize you, that you're enthusiastic about, that ultimately equate to engagement. So when you think about coaching someone who is at this inflection point, you say, look, we've kind of figured out where your energy you know, derives and where it flows and you're, you're not in the right career path. Like you're not in the right company. You're not in the right, you're not waking up in the morning and excited. You're waking up in the morning and you're like, have fear. Right. And I've been through this in, in, in parts of my roller coaster life where I'm like, shit, like every day you should wake up and be like, man, I got a lot of opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people wake up and say like, man, I'm just bracing myself for the stress of what's about to come today. And I'm in a tidal wave. And it's, you know, uh, every breaking wave, it's a U2 song, every breaking wave tells the next wave to come down. Like, it's like just continuous, right? And people get in to say, hey, you know what? This is my life. This is what I signed up for. How do you kind of tell somebody after we've diagnosed this, like, trust yourself that we are going to find a job that will replicate your financial requirements, or you might say, hey, look, dude, you can't live in this, this kind of budget and lifestyle if you want to do this. So how do you help someone who might say, like, I'm trapped in investment banking, which I was. Yep. You know, people get trapped because they get too much operating expenses. So how do you help somebody through that type of discovery and analysis? Yeah. So that fear, that dread of waking up as you're outlining, it's not a good place to be in. And even monotony, you know, the I don't know if the audience is old enough to remember that you know, time to make the donuts is sort of like the monotony of the day. We try to, we try to get away from all of that. I open up the book talking about, you know, the mass of people, these lives of quiet desperation, the Henry David Thoreau quote. And, you know, I'm, I'm not content with letting that play out. I actually think, you know, people letting that play out is the great resignation or the greater resignation that people, that we should get more, more attention behind as opposed to, you know, people leaving jobs. How do we do it, Pete? We do it by carving a path forward. And it doesn't have to happen today or tomorrow. You don't have to get out of investment banking tomorrow. But what would really make tomorrow a lot better is if today we begin to, we begun, or if we're doing this in the present tense, we begin to outline what the next one year, two, six months, one year, two years look like to create a path for you outside of this. Doesn't have to happen right away, but it's amazing when you sort of put down sort of a plan on paper, it makes waking up tomorrow morning a lot better because what you're doing going forward is working service of that path that you are, that you articulated and got down hopefully on paper. So, you know, so I I also just to, just to kind of complete this, there also are things that you might be able to do today 
that actually generate some, some energy and excitement, even in a challenging situation now. Um, so we do think of the, you know, we, how can we get creative in some of the constraints that we face today? And, you know, if maybe there, there's, you have a real interest or a passion in doing something and, or a course that you want to take, and yes, you're doing investment banking, but can you, can you take a piece of that? Like on Saturday afternoon, can you dabble in something that you're really interested in? So given the current constraints, and maybe you can't leave investment banking, Pete, because you need to pay the mortgage, you need to pay the bill, you need to pay you know, private school tuition. So the exercise becomes, let's create a path forward that you feel good about over a time horizon that is realistic. And then let's think about, given the constraints that we have, what's possible. Mm. You know, when you think about Pre-COVID, I think everyone was kind of running 100 miles an hour. Uh, at least I know I was. And I wasn't really, you know, taking time to let's evaluate how last quarter was or how do I feel right now? I just said, like, let me just keep running and I'll, I'll run through wherever I need to get to. When you talk to people now about how you define success, right? Somebody, you might, you might diagnose and say, look, your energy comes from hanging out with your kids, coaching Little League, playing with your friends, doing this and that. How do you kind of say this? Have you said to anyone, hey, look, like your work's your work and let's find the energy sources in that. And let's kind of re maybe take some of that energy and like devote it towards these other activities. Because a lot of people are focused on the work-life balance, right? Yeah. And like how to work and live with purpose is, the, is your tagline in the book, right? So I used to think, you know, it was like investment banking with you and I back in the day. I was like, oh, how big's your office? Or, you know, what does it say on your business card? No one gives a shit about that anymore. Yeah. So how do you kind of help people say, look, you know what? You, you're in a good place. Like, let's kind of polish you up a little and figure out, like, maybe where you can modify your, your work, but not necessarily, you know, go back to school and we're going to yeah. kind of reboot you. Yeah. So the, the pandemic and people being forced to take a step back and be more reflective, both do some introspection and sort of looking outside the world. There are a lot of really horrible things that came out of the pandemic, of course, and we're still sort of facing, but I think that's that's one area that that it's been really good and really important. And people are asking bigger questions and they're trying to find answers. So I'm definitely seeing that. Mm -hmm. Pete, you talk about success and I, I want to pass this along that only you, and I, I'm not talking about you or Dave, but it's more pluralistically, all of you, you listening, only you can define what success is. Um, there are some objective measures uh, that people may use sometimes, but only you know how you feel inside about what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, what it is that you've uh, accomplished or brought about. And as I say in the book, my definition of success, which I shared at HBS in the first year lead class was when everybody in, in the class was saying is it was our, our last class of uh, leadership and organizational behavior. And there was the Peterson case about, you know, should he go to company A or should he go to company B? And company A was a better brand name and it was more money and company B was more entrepreneurial. And, and everybody was saying, well, should you go here? It'd be more successful if you did. And I sort of jumped out of my skin. And David, Professor Kang called on me at the end of the class. And he said, Matt, you look like you're going to jump out of your seat. Um, I think you have something to say. And I said, well, it really depends on your definition of success. He said, well, what is your definition of success? And I said something like, you know, having the desire and the courage to listen to oneself and then the, no, the, the ability and the desire to listen to oneself and then the courage to act upon it. 
So I think it's only we can determine what it is that we want to pursue through internal exploration, some of which you spoke about, you know, in the last 20 minutes or so, and others, it's much more detailed in the, in the book and the overall process, but then having the resolution, the courage to pursue it and to move forward. And we only, we know inside whether, you know, that that's something that that outcome, you know, that definition of success, it could be maybe I want to be a seventh grade teacher in the town where I grew up in Idaho. And that would, that's something I really want to do. I want to touch, you know, those, those particular, that age group and all that, or it's to be a managing partner at a private equity firm. But that's something, again, that, that expresses my strengths. So we're talking about the, the energy, the strengths and the energy sources, but that's a true reflection of what it is that I want to do. So it's really a very personal thing. And, and I'll, I'll close with this little anecdote. I remember- We're not closing yet, but you can say something. Uh, this particular answer. Okay. So I, I ran the New York City Marathon several times. And I remember, I always hated that five times. And when people ask me, oh, so what'd you run? Or, you know, what was your time? That's like my least favorite. I know it's sort of an easy question to ask and I, I understand why. But if I had said three hours, like, what does that mean to you? Nothing. Right. It, you you have an objective measure of what's what's a good marathon. Maybe, maybe it's you know I I ran a I ran three and I've been training for it was a two fifty so I'm like wildly disappointed, and I didn't push through the way I wanted to push through. I didn't have the courage to kind of really double down and really push myself. So that was a real disappointment for me. Or mm-hmm. I was training and I was like I was at it like a three fifteen. So it was the best day of my life, you know, to do a three or whatever it is. So. The, the subjective number or amount of money you have in the bank or the the, the title that you have, people can, you know, their little prism that they look at life through that's successful or not successful, but only, you know, inside, like yeah. if. I just hope that over time, you know, like people socially maybe change like the KPIs they use. Like we put out yeah. that, um, you know, you're happy. Uh, Dave, remember that uh, postcard we put together, like what your happy odometer or your stress yep. odometer. Yep. Um, you know, because because ideally, look, when I met you and you said, hey, I ran a marathon, I probably say, what, what, how, what was your time? Now I'd say, how do you feel? Like, yeah. how, like, how do you, like, how do you, how do you internalize that? Like, what does that yeah. do for you? Or, yeah, you um, might even have, like, what was that experience like? Or what, exactly, what prompted yeah, you yeah. to run? What prompted you to run the marathon? Yeah, are you proud of yourself? Are you happy? Like, are you glad yeah. you did it? You know? Yeah. So yeah. maybe our perspective changed and maybe the more people that listen to this might, cue in on, you know, like your success is not like your after-tax account or like the square footage on your house, which requires extra Swiffers. Um, Cause I've, I've been in these places where like people like you got 10 bedrooms, like, dude, you only have four people in here. Like what? Right, right. Why would you, why would, what's the necessity of that? Now, now Pete, I, I don't live in a world of unicorns and rainbows. We do want a roof over our head. We do want some, some financial security and nest egg, you know, colleges and, you know, all, all, sure. all, all that stuff. I think, but, both can coexist is really my message. I agree. Well, the yeah. book's great. Um, well, real, real quick, yeah. can I, can I, Matt, please, I'm please, sure, I encourage you. I'm yeah. sure you've heard this before, Matt, and I can't remember where I first heard it, but uh, someone had mentioned to me when you're in conversation with someone, and this goes back to the, the lens, right? Yeah. Where yeah. you're looking. When you're in a conversation with someone, especially in New York City, what's the first question that people tend to ask? What do you do? You do. Make it a habit in your brain to to not ask that question 
right? I'm sure you've heard this before. And, yep. and see how long the conversation, and I've done it. And it's almost sometimes uncomfortable for that other person. They don't, you start to see like, they want to know who you are. They want to know what your title is. They want to know what you do. And it's, it's, I found it a really fascinating um, personal exercise. A lot, a lot of that is uh, a lot of that I think is environmental. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously I lived in New York and when I moved to Manhattan beach, I, I naturally would say like, Hey, what are you doing? Like the, the guy, the guy across the street from me is like, you know, I hike, I run my bicycle, um, I'm surfing right now. I like to do travel, this and that. Like, it was almost like he didn't want to tell me what he did. And it almost like didn't really matter. Cause if you want to be friends with me, he, he was, he was trying to like ante up his, his hobbies and what he likes to do, not like what he does to fund those hobbies. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of felt relieved no, I, I, when I, I came no, out here for that purpose. I mean, both of your point, like Dave, you bring up a really good point, and and is that that first question? I tend to say, what do you enjoy doing? How do you spend your time? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Like those are those are the things I, I, I tend to get at um, more. But yeah, I don't think I ask people what they do for a living. I just uh, I don't. Yeah. Um, so let, yeah. let me just ask you one question, and then, and then we'll close here. You know, going into executive coaching, right? There's a lot of people that, you know, have have gone into this field, whether they're qualified or not. You know, how did you kind of establish yourself? And obviously you got, we're not going to talk, talk names, but you've got some family offices, you've got some private equity funds, you've got some, you know, eight personalities, you've got entrepreneurs like ourselves um, that you've really helped. What kind of, um, how did that happen? And how much of it was deliberate or is like, you know, you get into enough traffic and, you know, you lose the H-E-W. So you just Matt Spielman, like call Matt Spielman, call Matt Spielman. Like, how, do you, how did that evolve and how patient were you in letting that happen? Because I think people need to understand if you're going to build a business on your name, you know, it's inflection point. Like, you're working with Matt. And he's my coach. And now he's kind of like the most important person for me as like my trampoline or springboard, as I like to use those yeah. terms. So, yeah. Give us a, like a little insight or blurb on that, if you could. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't deliberate in the sense of I'm going to work with the executive producer of 60 Minutes, uh, Bill Owens, or I'm going to work with Alex Rodriguez. You know, I have found that I got into this. I went through the process that I went through. I detail in the book and I, I went through sort of step by step by step. And that which I emerged from that, that process came from like, it was such an accurate reflection of what it is I wanted to do. So it was very authentic. It was very genuine. And I just was kind of oozing in, in the best possible way that somebody can ooze that this is this type of impact to ignite careers, to energize lives, to engender that fist pump, whatever your version of the fist pump is, that was my mission. That was driving me every day. That came out in every single conversation I had. It guided my actions during the day. And it just kind of naturally built on itself. And no, I didn't talk to Alex in day one or year one or Bill in year one or day one. I just kept doing really good work and really was focusing on impact and outcomes. And the word of mouth sort of got out there and uh, people wanted to have me on, you know, in articles or on TV or on podcasts like this. And people heard the word and they reached out, but it was no, I thought about taking a sign out on the side of the highway, like 1-800, you know, got coach. Uh, but no, I, I never actually did that. It was just doing authentic, came from authentically me. And a lot of people said to me, Matt, you know, because they knew me as a as an executive before, 
like, man, I could totally see you doing this. And I yeah. know somebody who could benefit from this. Like that was just, uh, yeah. I just found myself doing that, which I think I should be doing and aligned yeah. up with my could be doing. Well, in, in closing here, I'm glad you took the step. Um, for people that don't know, Matt has been extremely helpful to Dave and I personally. It's definitely, you know, given us the, the infrastructure framework uh, for coming up with the, you know, really going hard with the term halo and giving us the confidence to do that. Coming up with the force behind your growth, which I really, you know, from our standpoint, like that, that's what Dave and I and everyone in Integrity Square, like we just want to help people grow. And that's capital, that's introductions, that's advice, that's certified entrepreneurial therapy that we got, unfortunately, certified in, um, you know, live during COVID. And if we could be the force behind the growth, we're, we're not looking for a, a trophy. Like you get the trophy. Like, I just want to make sure that we got yeah. you there. Yeah. Um, so thanks for what, uh, what you've done for us, for our friendship. You know, I love you like a brother. Okay. And um, go out and buy the book, Inflection Point, Points. How to work and live with purpose. Matt Spielman, global executive coach to the masses and the classes, my friend. Thanks for having you on. I, I appreciate that. And because I, I want to get the book out to in as many hands as possible, uh, we created this single page and it's simple. It's theinflectionpointsbook.com and theinflectionpointsbook.com. And you can read about it there. And, and if you wanted to order it, great. Awesome. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on. Excited that we were able to uh, be a part of this, uh, this career path success plan. And um, the more people you help, the, the healthier they are, the happier they are. And, you know, creates a halo effect. So for sure. Anything we do I, I to help it. you, brother. And uh, look forward to seeing you in person sooner than later, please. I, I appreciate uh, Pete and Dave. Thank you for the opportunity. I uh, can't wait to see you guys in person. Awesome.